Good morning, everybody. Great to see you here today. So excited to share the Word of God with you. And I love Christmas time, and I love the series that we're doing as well. And so it's called The Gift. We're looking at the different gifts that Jesus received when the wise men came and visited him. We get this from Matthew chapter 2. And if you've got a Bible, you can open it up. It's on the screen as well. It says, uh, right, they entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so these great gifts that Jesus received, you know, if you think about it, they're a little bit weird, though, to give to a newborn baby, right? I mean, like, I just had a few friends that had uh, some kids, and nobody asked for frankincense, you know? <laughs> like, they asked for other things, uh, you know, like diapers and wipes and uh, onesies and those types of gifts. And so it's it maybe a little interesting, like, why would they give Jesus these gifts? I actually asked some people, like, oh, what, uh, you know, what's the weirdest gift you've ever gotten? And actually, if you're watching online, let me know. What's one of the weirdest gifts that you've gotten? Type, type below, we want to interact, and, and tell us what, what's one of the weirdest ones. I'm not talking just gifts that you didn't like. Like, I've got stuff I didn't really, like, want that much, you know. But I mean, like, kind of weird. So some people, they told me, uh, one person said, you know, so, like, you could, you decorate with, like, tinsel. You know how it's, like, shiny, and, and you can decorate with it, right? So this, uh, this one person told me her friend gave her a box of, of tinsel. That was it. That was, that was the present. Like, <laughs> all right, that's interesting that you'd give that to me. Like, I don't, I don't understand what that's about, but okay. But the best one that I got, this person told me, they were like, okay, so they got a gift in the mail from grandma. And, uh, you know, so that's always going to be good from grandma. So they open it up, they, they get the card and uh, it says, Merry Christmas. You know, there's, there's no cash or anything like, all right, that's fine. You know, grandma, I'm sure this is going to be a great gift. So they open it up unwrap it, and it's a picture frame. Okay, it's a picture of grandma. <laughs> it's a picture of grandma. Grandma sent a picture of herself for Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's so funny, but you know, it's, it's funny just because, right, like these gifts, I get, like I said, they're a little bit odd for a baby, but you know, we've talked about uh, that Bible scholars have, have come to, to see it that these gifts represent who Jesus would become. They're foreshadowing Jesus' role in our life. And, of course, they actually did have practical value for the family as well, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, um, you know, we've said that gold symbolizes that Jesus is the king of kings. And myrrh, which Pastor Jeff talked about last week, he's our savior. He suffered for us and died, but he's our savior as well. And so today we're going to talk about frankincense and what that represents before I give you what it is, let me give you some fun facts about frankincense. You can look at your neighbor and say, fun facts about frankincense. See if you can say that five times fast. But anyway, frankincense, what is frankincense if you don't know? Um, you know, frankincense, it's actually, it's kind of like a gum resin that's it, it's in a Saudi, I'm sorry, South Arabia, India, Somaliland. That's kind of where it originated from. And it's, it, it can be used to be burning an incense as an oil. They say it's kind of like the Swiss army knife of oils. It has like multiple uses. Um, and uh, in the ancient Near East and today, it's used for these same uh, uses like medicine and cosmetics. So it's still used and obviously religious ceremonies as well. So this would have been a very expensive gift actually to give to Jesus and his family at the time. But it was also practical as well because it could 
treat um, wounds and uh, sicknesses and stuff like that. But of course, it's also spiritual and meaning. Frankincense is used, it was a key ingredient in, uh, in the incense that was used when priests would offer prayers to God. And so um, they would burn this incense and the, the uh, incense would go up and it kind of would represent the prayers of the people up to God. And so it has this significant spiritual value. So when you see frankincense and incense in the Bible, you know, it, start, it kind of represents this priestly function. It, it kind of uh, represents that theme. And even the New Testament picks up on this. You know, there's the ingredients for frankincense is in the Old Testament, Exodus 30, you could read it. But even in the New Testament, like I said, it picks up on this. Ephesians 5 says that Jesus, he loved us, offered himself as a sacrifice for us, and it was a pleasing aroma to God. And even in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that our lives are a Christ-like fragrance uh, rising up to God. And so this theme of frankincense and incense, it's kind of that priestly function. And so that's what frankincense represents for us today, that Jesus is our high priest. Gold, Jesus is the king of kings. Myrrh, he's our savior. And frankincense, Jesus is our high priest. Now, when it comes to this idea of Jesus being our high priest, I could understand that this is maybe a little bit less clear than the other ones. Like, Jesus, savior, he saved me. Sure, okay. Jesus, king of kings, he's the top dog. I get it. Jesus, our high priest. Um, you know, maybe if you're Catholic, you've had some idea, like priest or something, but this may feel a little bit foreign to you. In fact, you may even be thinking to yourself, like, well, do I need one of those? Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know if I actually even need a high priest. Like, what is this talking about? Or for those of us Christian in the room, if you're not sure, you may just say, well, I don't know what it is, but sign me up. If the Bible says I need one, Jesus, you can be my high priest. Hey, do I need a high lawyer? Jesus, be my high lawyer. Like, you, you know, just, hey, I, I'm not sure. So let's, let's unpack it a little bit. It's so important that we talk about this. You know, the first thing we need to understand is, is the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. The holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, these two forces have been opposed to each other, the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man. And I get that sin today, you know, is not a popular concept. You know, you don't want to use that word around your friends, around people who maybe aren't Christian, even among Christians, right? Like, well, we don't want to say that. We, people make mistakes, sure, right? Hey, it's human, we mess up. But don't say sin, I mean, that's a bit, you know, who's to say that sin, how do you know that that's sin anyway? Who defines it? I mean, if it's bad for you, it doesn't mean it's bad for me. If it feels good, you know, just do it, right? I, I mean, uh, follow your heart. <laughs> Don't talk about sin. I've even heard it said that, you know, sin is an outdated concept to help scare children into being good. So, I mean, why do you need sin if you have Elf on the Shelf? Because he watches your kids in December. What do you need sin for? So it's important that we get this concept right because this is how we understand our relationship to God is understanding our own spiritual condition. You could put it this way, until we understand the holiness of God, we will always take a casual approach to sin. Until we understand the holiness of God, we'll always take a casual approach to sin. We'll never understand the weight of our sin. 
and how evil it is and how it destroys us. This word holy comes from a Greek word, hagios. It means separate or set apart. God is holy. God is separate, set apart. God is transcendent. He is so much greater than anything we can conceive. He is holy and separate. He is perfect. There is no flaw in God. He is pure. In fact, it could even be said that holiness isn't so much one of his qualities. It's more like the perfection of all of his qualities. And so God's power is holy. God's justice is holy. God's mercy is holy. It's completely separate and transcendent as to what ours is. In fact, it's his holiness that even makes him worthy of our worship. It's because he's holy and perfect, and we're not. None of us are. Nobody in the room. I'm not holy. You're not holy. The pastors, they're not holy. That nice person you work with, but he's a nice guy, though. I'm sure God, he and God, they're probably, no, he's not holy. Only God is holy. Says that we, all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the perfect standard, which is God. All of us have fallen short of that. And what sin does, it destroys us. It will, it will bring death. The wages of sin is death. Both physical death and spiritual death. It's a result of sin in our lives. And this is why God hates sin. It's completely opposite of who he is. And it breaks our intimacy with God. It breaks our fellowship with God. And so God is opposed to sin. He hates it. And maybe just a mental picture to help you a little bit. You know, when I would hear this growing up and stuff, like, I kind of thought, like, well, if God loves us, like, I don't know, what's the big deal? Why has he got such a problem with sin? Like, how about you just get over it if he loves me so much and everything, right? But maybe this can help, like, you know, when you picture the sun, I've heard it explained this way, you know, when you, you can't even look directly at the sun because it is so powerful. And so if I were to attempt to approach the sun and, you know, maybe touch it or something, I'd burn up way before I could get there because it's so powerful and I'm just so finite. And maybe that's a way to help us understand God's relationship to sin. He is so holy that sin can have nothing to do with him. And so the problem with sin is that it disrupts our relationship with God, and ultimately it brings death. And I don't want to be tethered to that. And the prophet Isaiah, he says this, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And so God is a God of justice. He will deal with and punish sin, but he longs to be gracious to us. God loves us, and he wants to restore our relationship with him. And so, you know, when we talk about Jesus being our high priest now, we understand the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man. The priest represented the people to God. They had to speak uh, on behalf of the people to God, and they kind of had two main functions, I guess you could say. They had these daily rituals they had to do and all this stuff. And when we talk about the Old Testament, 
Um, But, you know, the two big things we could say is that they made sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins, that it was paid for, and they prayed prayers on behalf of the people. So they made sacrifices for sins, they prayed prayers on behalf of the people, and they represented the people to God because our sin separates us from God. So they're kind of serving as that representative for us. Again, they had daily rituals, but once a year, there was something called the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and it's still celebrated today. looks a little bit different. But what would happen is, in addition to all these uh, tasks that they had, once a year, they would, um, they would take an innocent animal and make a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And the idea is that somebody innocent is paying the price for sin. And so you think of the temple, it's this big, big structure where God's presence was, and there's all these kind of like layers to get in until you get, and we were just singing about it. We were singing about the Holy of Holies. That's the, that's the center. That's where God's presence is, is behind this curtain, behind this veil. And so the priest could go in there once a year, and uh, he'd burn the incense, frankincense, a key ingredient. It was a specific holy incense that God said, don't use for any other purpose, and only the priest can use it at this time of year. Like, it was a big deal. So they, they, represent the inc- they burn the incense. It's like the prayer's going up. They sacrifice this innocent animal. They sprinkle it on the mercy seat for, uh, uh, in the Holy of Holies, kind of like signifying that the sin is being paid for. And then, I'm sure you've heard the term scapegoat before. That actually comes from the Old Testament as well. So one animal would die for, you know, to pay the sacrifice for sin. And then the priest would come over and he would confess all of the sins of the entire nation and symbolically transfer it to uh, the scapegoat, and it would be released into the wilderness, sometimes even off a cliff, and that like represented that the sin had been removed from God's people, and they did this once a year. Now I want to pause for a second and just admit for anyone in the room thinking this, that's kind of weird. That's pretty extensive, right? Like, this is complicated. Like, and, and for those of us, I, I get it, who, who are like, well, how, yeah, this is what it says. You know, think about it. It's a little strange. Like, if we had a nativity, a live nativity scene out there, and we bring the goat in, we kind of bring him up here, and then I break its legs and slit its throat, and I sprinkle the Christmas tree with blood, like, some people would really start freaking out, right? Like, what is happening right now? This is weird. And maybe that's how you feel when you read it or you hear this about the Bible. Animal sacrifice, like blood. Uh, This is weird. This is gross. In fact, what's up with God? Like, why has he got to be this way? But what we need to understand is God's holiness in our sinfulness. God is just. He will deal with sin. He will punish sin because his justice is holy. And think about this. You and I want this. We, we beg for this. Our society this year especially has been really grappling with this issue of injustice. I mean, you talk about somebody being murdered. You talk about somebody being held accountable for that. You talk about people uh, being punished for their crimes. None of us want a society that tolerates injustice. We are clamoring for justice to be served. And so that's in our earthly realm, in our earthly society, how much more the holiness of God will he deal justly with sin. And so this is how God deals with it. But this sacrifice, it satisfies God's justice, but at the same time extends his mercy. If you're taking notes, that'd be the next thing to write uh, write down. Jesus' sacrifice 
satisfies God's justice and at the same time extends his mercy. This whole system that we talked about with the priests and sacrifice, that's in the Old Testament. You can read about it. They had to constantly do that all the time. But we are now under a new covenant. It's another word for testament, the New Testament, the new covenant, the new system, the new way that it works. Jesus is our better sacrifice. And the writer of Hebrews tells us about it in Hebrews chapter 10. That's kind of our main passage. If you want to open up with me, you can. It'll be on the screen here. But Hebrews chapter 10, first Christ said, uh, this is verse 8, first Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they're required by the law of Moses. Saying, yeah, God doesn't, he's not happy about animal sacrifices. He doesn't think this is cool. God's dealing with sin. Then he said, look, I've come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us, to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. I'm not holy because of what I've done. It's only because of what Jesus has done. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Such a great passage of scripture talking about Jesus as our high priest. And man, if time allowed, we really could take apart a lot in this passage, which is so cool. Even that last sentence about him sitting down in God's presence, like in the Holy of Holies, the priest couldn't sit down because he had all these things to do. So Jesus representing that it's final, it's dealt with, it's, it's so powerful. I want to tell a story that maybe helps illustrate this a little bit further. Uh, you know, there's a time a couple years back where I broke the law. So <laughs> just in case you weren't paying attention. Now, now I got you. So, uh, yeah, I broke the law. I, I guess you could say I, I'm not a criminal. Okay, the judge said that I wasn't. So <laughs> what happened is I do a type of art called spray paint art. Okay, and I, you already jumped to it. You're like, you spray painted a building, Pastor Matt? How could you do that? I didn't do that. Would you stop? Let me tell the story. So I, I, do, I do something called spray paint art. It's an artwork, and I'm not a crazy artist. Like, Phyllis is amazing. I've asked her for some tips and stuff. It's just something I do for fun. And so you can sell it in the city. They, these guys do it on the street all the time. So the first time I went, I've been there a few times, but the first time I went, you know, I'm, going, I'm excited. And I'm selling artwork. This is so cool. I'm in Times Square. It was, like, right in the middle of Times Square. But I didn't understand that there's all these rules about, you know, when and where you can be and when you can sell it and all this stuff. So, of course, this guy, you know, this cop writes me up for a ticket. And uh, I was like, look, come on, dude, I'm from New Jersey. Like, I had an I Heart My Church shirt on. I was like, look at me. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get in trouble. But he's like, you know, tell it to the judge. Like, okay. So, you know, I come back. I, I, I go to the judge. And you better believe that I'm pretty nervous. Like, I don't know you know, what this entails. Like, I, I'm not normally in this kind of environment. Like, I'm pretty scared. So I meet upstairs with the public defender, like the lawyer, and he's like, you know, Matthew, tell me about yourself. So I'm like, all right, you know, look, I just graduated college. Like, I, uh, you know, I, I'm a pastor. I'm a youth pastor, you know. Okay, all right, so you, you studied. You're, you're a pastor. All right, you're a minister. And, uh, okay, you didn't understand the rules. I said, you weren't trying to get in trouble. Okay. So we go downstairs, and I'm the first to go before the judge. <laughs> And I stand there, I don't say a word. Like, 
I don't even know what is going to happen. So the public defender just speaks the whole time for me. Your Honor, I represent Matthew Jones. And Your Honor, he is, he's a young man. He's a pastor. And, you know, Your Honor, he was not trying to get in trouble. He's a young, fledging artist. And he, he just wanted to sell his artwork. He was not aware of the rules. And, Your Honor, so what we suggest today is that he would be forgiven this fine, Your Honor. He would not have to pay it. But instead, we suggest that Matthew would take a remedial course where he can learn about the rules of, of selling artwork on the street. And if that would be acceptable to you, Your Honor, then, then that's what we would like to do. And so the judge says, all right, and that's it. I was forgiven the fine. Low-key, I kind of wish I knew that that was the, I would have just paid the fine. I didn't want to go to any class or anything. But I had to, so I didn't have to pay the fine. I went to a class, and it was fine, you know. But it's a good, you can understand the picture of this public defender being my advocate. The Bible talks about Jesus being our advocate, speaking to the judge, representing the judge for me, who I didn't know. And look, my ignorance would not have, would not have counted. That wouldn't have been a good excuse. Well, judge, you should just forgive me because I didn't know the rules. That's fine. The judge would say, you broke the law. You, you broke the rules. You can't do that. I'd say, well, I didn't know, so it shouldn't apply. That wouldn't work. And it's the same thing with our sin. And Jesus, he went to God for us. And not only that, Jesus paid the fine. Jesus paid the penalty with his life, a permanent sacrifice that's good for all time. And he's restored our relationship with God. That's what he wants to do in your life. Jesus' sacrifice allows us to experience a restored relationship with God. So for those of us in the room who are not Christian, you need Jesus as your high priest for forgiveness of sins, and to experience a restored relationship with God. And it's permanent and final, which means you don't have to do anything else before you come to faith in Jesus. You don't have to fix your life. You don't have to wait till next week or next year. Jesus has already done it for you. You say, wait, I thought Jesus died so I could like go to heaven. Uh, I don't know if that's the right characterization. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Jesus died so we could experience uh, a restored relationship with God. Jesus says this in John chapter 17. It's actually referred to as the high priestly prayer. And he says that eternal life is to know God and to know Jesus, the one that he sent. And so eternal life begins now when you start a relationship with God through the work that Jesus has done for you. Man, you think, I, I thought that if I pray to Jesus and I, you know, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get this raise at my job right now, they're kind of lowballing me on the number. I, was, you know, I thought if I say something to Jesus, he's going to help me. You know what? I'm going to tell you what, that's not going to satisfy you. You're going to need something else from Jesus after that. You'll be satisfied with Jesus. Jesus says that I have come to give you a rich and satisfying life. You've been made on purpose with a purpose, for a purpose. And you will discover that in a relationship with God. For those of us in the room today who are Christian, we need Jesus as our high priest to approach God's presence. We need to understand that it's not my holiness that, that brings me into God's presence. It's the work of Jesus. And it's final and permanent. So when I sin, because I'm going to sin, when I sin, I, I don't have to be embarrassed. I don't have to wait. I don't have to, you know, kind of do my, my good deeds and then come to God. No, I come right to God's presence. 
So the writer of Hebrews, he, he goes on, if you go a little bit further down, what does this mean for us, how, how we live this out now? If Jesus is our high priest, what does that mean for how we live? And I think I like how he says it later in the chapter. You go down to, uh, to verse 19. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus, like, like we just sang, man. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Our guilty consciences have been sprinkled clean with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Jesus' sacrifice allows us to come to God's presence confidently. Come confidently. Those of us who are Christian, man, you don't have to wait. You don't have to cower. You don't have to walk around defeated, beating yourself up. I messed up again. I sinned again. Oh, my gosh. You're embarrassed about the sin that you you committed? You come right to God's presence. He's a loving father. Those of us who are not Christian or you're not sure where you land on, like, the whole faith thing, you're like, I mean, God, like Jesus, I, 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 I don't know. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait to get it right. Today, I'm going to ask you today, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. You don't have to wait until next week. You say, oh, I was just here because it was like Christmas and stuff. Like, hey, great. But you don't have to wait. You can come right to God's presence. You can come to God's presence confidently. He also says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I'd say like this, that we can come to God's presence consistently. Of course, there's so much we could say from this passage, but Jesus' sacrifice lets us come to God's presence confidently and consistently. He said, let's do it without wavering, without wavering. 2020 has been a year where it's really tried to push us to find our allegiance in other things. Which side are you on? Well, what do you think about this? Well, what's your opinion on that? And do you support this? And it's tried to pick, it's tried to divide us so much. And he's saying, hey, let's hold tightly without wavering. Let's come to God's presence consistently. Because if you only come to God's presence once a month, once a year, you're going to forget that it's about a relationship with God. You're going to begin to think that, well, it's about following the rules. And, you know, I haven't been following them lately. I don't think God wants to talk to me. I don't know. So let's come to God's presence consistently. And if you're a Christian in the room, it says let's motivate one another. Let's help each other out when it comes to that. Hey, you see someone who hasn't been in church for a while? Why don't you call them up? Where you been? Hey, we love you. We care about you. You've got to be in God's presence consistently. You've been reading your Bible. You've been praying at home. Hey, we want to be in God's presence consistently. And here's the last one. Verse 25, he says, let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's no secret that our world is dark and broken and needs some help. And so as we know, as the day is drawing near, as it says, let's gather in God's presence corporately. It's so important. I want to encourage you to if you don't pray and worship on your own at home, like individually, that may be an area to grow, and, and I would challenge you with that. But it's so important that we gather together in God's presence corporately. Together, we are the body of Christ. We need each other uh, uh, in order to worship 
God as well. Martin Luther, uh, he said this, at home in my own house, there's no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. So possibly for some of us too, maybe this is a way to grow, is to be in, in, in uh, God's presence corporately with other people and to, to allow God to speak to me in this special way. And if you're watching online today, I'm so glad that you're with us online as well because you need to be gathering corporately and in a time of COVID and whatever else may be going on, health issues cause you to stay home, you need to be in God's presence confidently, consistently, and also corporately. And this is one of those ways. Comment below. Remind us you're still here. We want to pray with you today. And so as we wrap up, Pastor Bonnie, if you don't mind coming up and giving us some music, we said today that frankincense represents Jesus being our high priest. He's given us access to God's presence. We talked about the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. We have to understand that because if we don't understand the holiness of God, we'll always take a casual approach to sin. But Jesus' sacrifice satisfies God's justice and at the same time extends God's mercy. And so his sacrifice allows us to experience a restored relationship with God. We can come to God's presence confidently, consistently, and corporately. So I'm gonna invite you, everyone in the room, if you're able, if you can stand to your feet as we have a moment to respond today. What is so great about our high priest is that he's not just some distant savior but he's a close friend. Jesus understands our weaknesses. He sympathizes with our pain. In fact, Hebrews, he says this, this is one of my favorite verses. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. In just a moment, I want us to practice this. We're in church today. What a great time to be in God's presence. I want to respect your time. We're not going to be forever here, but I want you to take a moment in God's presence while we're all together. In a moment, I'll Open the altars. You can come up front to the altars if you want. People are very comfortable up here. You can kneel or stand, or you can turn around and kneel at your seat, but I would encourage you to change your posture today so you can begin to focus on how we are in God's presence together. But Jesus understands, which means Jesus cares about what you're going through. You feel stressed out today? overwhelmed, anxious. You've experienced that anxiety that it's like a tightness in the chest. It actually becomes physical. Jesus understands that. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus knows what it's like to be stressed out. Maybe your family, you're dealing with your family right now. They're a little crazy. Everybody has a crazy family, all right? But it's Christmas time, it's COVID, you're like, oh my gosh, why is my family, or this or that, or whatever issues, you don't want to talk about something. Guess what? Jesus knows what that's like too. He said he was the Messiah. Jesus, uh, his family said, you're insane. Jesus understands what it's like to deal with a crazy family. 
Whatever you're dealing with, wherever you hurt, Jesus has hurt before. He cares about you. If you've ever felt far away from God's presence, Jesus knows what that's like too. Jesus was on the cross and he became sin for us, kind of like the scapegoat would transfer sin. Jesus became sin for us and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you felt like, why can't I feel God's presence? Jesus knows what that feels like too. And so I want to have a couple moments today where we spend time in God's presence because of the work Jesus has done on the cross and because he's risen from the dead. Man, that's the good news. We can come boldly into God's throne room and find mercy and help in our time of need. And so right now, I'm, I, want to, I want to coach you through some prayer points today. I'm not going to pray the entire time. I'm just going to be giving you some things to be thanking God for, praying God for, uh, and, and, and I'm going to give you these elements. But right now, I'm going to invite you. Why don't you change your posture for a minute? You can come on up front to the altar if you want. No one's, uh, no, we don't care. Hey, that's all right. It, it's, it, it, this is reserved for that. You can kneel at the altar. You can kneel at your seat. You can sit down if you just want to sit down. But why don't you change your posture for a minute and let's spend some time in God's presence for a couple moments today. Why don't you begin by thanking God that you can come to his presence. Jesus is our high priest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we don't have to go it alone, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is with us, Lord God. Thank you that we're renewed and refreshed in your presence, Lord. If you have a loved one that's far from God, why don't you pray for them right now? Jesus is our Savior. Why don't you whisper their name? Tell God, Lord, I love this person. Jesus, you love this person. You died on the cross for their sins. Lift up their name to God right now. God, would you soften their hearts? God, would you awaken them to their need for you, Lord? You're struggling financially today? Jesus is your provider. Tell him. God, I have these bills. Lord, I'm nervous. This is a lot for my family. He's your provider. He loves you. Let him know. You're hurting emotionally today. Jesus is your comforter. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Tell him what's hurting you right now. Jesus experienced the loss of a family member, the loss of his friends. He grieved over them. He knows what it's like to hurt. And it's, that's okay. You can tell him. He's your comforter right now.
struggling physically today or you know somebody who is, maybe a medical report, you know, they don't want to hear, they don't want to deal with. Jesus is our healer. Why don't you tell them right now, Jesus, can you move in this situation? It says, by his stripes we are healed. You can come to him right now. Tell him. Thank you, Jesus. We can come to you. Thank you for hearing us, Lord. If you're tired, exhausted today, or from Christmas season, oh man. Jesus is your strength. If you feel weak today, Jesus is your strength. Tell him, call on him. He says, in your, weak, your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Ask him to be your strength right now. Jesus, strengthen me. Thank you that we can rely on your strength, Lord, and not our own. For those of us today who need to make Jesus our Savior, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a minute. If that's you today, you say, I need to, I need to place my faith in Jesus. Doesn't mean you know everything about religion and the Bible, but you say, wait, Jesus is my high priest. Wait, I have access to God's presence. I can have a relationship with him. Man, I need to make that decision today to start following Jesus with my life. If that's you today, can you raise your hand so I can lead you in a prayer? I just want to see who you are. If that's you today and you've never made that decision. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us access into your presence. Sometimes we take it for granted, Lord, but it's so special, Lord, that we can be in your presence. And not only that, Lord, that your presence is with us. It doesn't just stay here at the altar. It doesn't just stay in this church building. But Holy Spirit, your presence is with us. The same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in our mortal bodies. Jesus, we pray that you would be with us, Lord, and, and all the things that we're all facing in this room, God, in this holiday season and COVID, we think of health issues, those of us watching online today, Lord God, where we may be at, thank you for restoring our relationship with you. Help us to continue to come to you confidently, Lord God, when we sin, when we mess up, when we're embarrassed, Lord God. Thank you that you love us. And you want to restore us, Lord God. We don't have to be embarrassed. We don't have to be ashamed. We can come right to you. Help us, God, to come consistently to your presence. It's what you've done for us at Christmas time, Lord. We remember this. And thank you for the gift of coming together corporately, Lord God, where you move among us and we can worship you in spirit and in truth. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being our high priest, Lord. pray that you'd be with us the rest of today, Lord God. Bless these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.